Welcome to Words and Nerds, tiny podcast, big ideas. Now here's your host, Danny V. Hi everyone, I'm very excited today. I am streaming from Abby's Bookshop in Sydney. Here is the wonderful Craig, who is the face of Abby Bookshop. So he's kindly let me take over the store this morning. So we're very excited. Now what have we got an offer today, Craig, at the store, in store? Um, yeah, look, we've got uh, 25, uh, 20% off all our crime fiction uh, in, in the store. So, you know, if you happen to be around, pop in. And that, that runs until Sunday, the end of Sunday. So, and, it, and you can get that online as well. And just show you what books we have on offer. You know, there are lots, but particularly we've got a few of these books on offer too. So we'll be talking about them shortly. Thanks, Craig. And if you pop into Abby's this morning, you can uh, be like Craig and jump in on the camera. So that should be cool. You can take over hosting. <laughs> I can go and have a have a hot chocolate. Uh, but today we are, thank you so much for joining us for this very special celebration of crime fiction. This is a hybrid event brought to you by Words and Nerds podcast and partnered with some of our favourite bookshops, Abby's Bookshop in Sydney, where I am broadcasting, Collins Books sellers in Wagga Wagga where Solari Gentle is set up ready to have a chat sign books and give away a bunch of prizes and of course we are also streaming through the Facebook page of Sunbook Bookshop in Yarraville uh, now hello Solari can we say hello to you hello how are you great how's Wagga it is lovely it is cold it's a <laughs> it it's cold. good jacket on um, but uh, but Collins is um, as usual buzzing um, so it's lovely to be here. Solari's got all her fans lined up out the door ready to speak <laughs> to her. <laughs> now of course Rob RWR McDonald was meant to be live in store at the Sun Bookshop in Yarraville but of course COVID ruins all of our plans and had other ideas but we are live streaming from Sun Bookshop as well and uh, Rob has pre-signed some books so I hope that um, we can you know, maybe entertain our Victorian friends for a little bit this morning and um, we are with you. Uh, also, Good Readings will be giving away four six-month subscriptions today, a winner chosen from each of us and will be chosen um, either from the comments or from the in-person visit. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm Danny V from Words and Nerds podcast. we got Craig Sisterson. Where are you, Craig? Crime critic, author of Southern Cross Crime and all the way from the UK, which we've established is not only 1am, but it's a bit foggy there, is it, Craig? <laughs> Yeah, it's like I've got the Sherlock Holmes atmosphere, you know, the foggy Victorian <laughs> London thing going on. So. Well, thank you for joining us. Of course, you are author of the wonderful book Southern Cross Crime, which is available at Abby's Bookshop, funnily enough, if you would like to get your hands on it. Um, Craig, do you want to just give us a, a little bit of half a minute of you telling us about your wonderful achievements as a crime critic? Uh, okay, <laughs> my wonderful achievements are really more to do with the wonderful achievements of all the Australian and New Zealand crime writers out there who've been doing great things the last 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Uh, my book, Southern Cross Crime, is a celebration of Austra modern Australian and New Zealand crime writing. It showcases our wonderful authors, and I kind of see it as a little bit like the equivalent of a lonely planet or rough guide, but instead of an area of the geographic world it's an area of the literary world and a little bit of a narnia door 
for all our Northern Hemisphere friends to walk in and discover this treasure trove of amazing Australian and New Zealand crime writers. We oh, have. I love it. And Fiona has already mentioned Fiona Taylor, who is watching on the live stream, has said she loves Craig books, so she's got some great taste. Um, and I didn't mention Solari's book. I'm sorry about this. Sorry, I got so excited to see you. Um, you know, in the bookshop. <laughs> this is your book here. Um, I've got. A different one here, Testament of Character. On the screen is Shanghai Secrets, but of course you'll be signing books at uh, at Collins there. So that is great. Now, um, man of the moment to celebrate the release of Nancy Business. We have award-winning author and possibly a cameo by Harry the Cat. Fingers crossed. Um, we've got RWR McDonald. Welcome, 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 you lovely human. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. All the way from my living room, uh, where I have this large banner, um, which I love. It's thank you, Alan Unwin. It's fantastic. And um, I'm sponsored by the Sun Bookshop in Yarraville. So they've been incredible. Um, we have uh, 10 books to give away uh, today. And also uh, during lockdown, they're doing 10% uh, off signed copies of the Nancy business. So, yes, thank you very much, Sun Bookshop. Fantastic. And look, a very quiet thank you to a person who wanted to remain in the background, but without this person, we wouldn't have this fabulous production and I'd probably be stressing out about the live stream. So thank you to our production crew, which is the man of one, Adrian. Thank you for that. Uh, on the agenda, uh, you can win by commenting through the live stream and telling us if you're in the bookstore. Uh, we'll contact you via social media or throughout the stream, just depending on how we go uh, for winners. There's also going to be Nancy Business trivia questions. So get those thumbs up there ready. And of course, if you're in store, just yell them out at us. First of all, though, let's go back to Rob. Oh, actually, I like all of us here. We can have a little crime conversation. Now, Rob, Give us an elevator pitch to Nancy Business. I loved the Nancy so much. It was crime and humour, and I really felt that that was sort of a part of crime fiction that, that was missing, you know, that real humorous bent to it. So can you give us an elevator pitch as to what Nancy Business is about? Sure. Uh, so Nancy Business starts four months after the Nancy's uh finished so it's the one year anniversary of uh, our main character Tippy Chan's father's death so the Nancys for those who haven't um, haven't read the Nancys are a amateur trio amateur detective trio made up of uh, schoolgirl Nancy uh, Nancy uh, Tippy Chan and her uncle Pike and his boyfriend Devon who babysit um, Tippy and they uh, and the Nancys, they solved um, their uh, Tippy's school teacher's murder. So Nancy business starts off uh, with the uh, town hall. There's an explosion in the middle of the night. So um, Riverstone, the town is rocked by an explosion. Three people die. Give me a recommendation. And the Nancys uh, have a new case to solve. So. Fantastic. And Rob, I've got to say, unsurprisingly, I laughed out loud the first, you know, two chapters. And then by the third chapter, I was like, oh my God, what's happening here? So you did it again. So well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I had someone, um, uh, Nancy Business has this beautiful map, map in the front of it. Uh, there you go. And I had this wonderful reader goes, oh, there's such a beautiful map. And then shortly after texting, I can't believe you blew up the town when you gave us a map. So 
yeah, lots to uh, explore there. <laughs> and there's lots of people commenting. Fiona Taylor, very excited to pick up your book. And Danuka McKenzie, as we know, um, who's been on the podcast and um, has a book of her own coming out, has also commented too. So it's lovely to see everyone watching and supporting you because it must be very hard to have this book in another lockdown for you guys. So you can, I'll try and get to all the comments as we see them, but we've got Stella Glory, you know, yaying. So that's really good, Rob. Uh, yeah, no, everyone's been fantastic. So thank you. Thank you all. And thanks for all um, coming to see us today. I really appreciate it. And Solari, you had a comment there too. They love your book. So that is wonderful as well. Now, can you give us an elevator pitch to your latest book while you're here with us? My my latest uh, book in the Roland Sinclair series? Or oh, whichever uh, book you like. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do the Roland Sinclair series. Uh, so uh, it's book number 10 in, uh, in the Roland Sinclair Mysteries. And in book no number 10, Roland and his entourage of Loosh communists and bohemians um, head to the US, uh, to Boston in particular, where Roland finds himself administra administrator of a murdered man's estate um, and uh, needs to negotiate uh, between a very aggrieved family and gangsters and uh, political mayhem uh, to solve a murder and try and get out of it alive. Wow, that sounds fantastic, Solari. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Now, I wanted to ask both Rob and Solari, who have written, you know, you're up to book 10, which is very impressive, may I say, Solari. Uh, but Rob, the follow-up to, um, you know, the Nancys, what is it like writing a follow-up after the Nancys? Like, what are the expectations? Because when you write a first book, I'm assuming you want it to be good, but there aren't as expectations as writing a follow-up. Tell us about that, Rob. Well, I, I think I was lucky that I had this sort of larger story when I first um, came up with the Nancys back in 2006. So I always saw it as a trilogy. Um, so I kind of had an idea of that overarching story. But the, and the thing is I had started writing it before the Nancys came out. So it was more trying not to think about what, readers might possibly want from the characters rather than just writing the character stories and hoping that the readers uh yeah would come along that journey because i guess there's that temptation just to do the same thing that worked the first time but that wasn't the story i, I wanted to write or for the characters so i think it's a really trying to put that part of your brain aside and just focus on the story um but I'm super, super excited to to hear from readers who love the Nancys what they think. I'm hoping they they uh, love it. So yeah. Well, I loved it, Rob and uh, Ashley on the uh, on the comments said, "Are we going to get ten Nancy books?" That's a great question. <laughs> I, I was hearing trilogy there, Rob. So are we going to get to ten? Well, I mean, hats off to Solari. I just think that's an incredible <laughs> achievement, and you know, would a, that would be amazing? Totally, mm, absolutely, Solari. Can I throw you and ask you what it's like to write ten books? You know, how do you develop the character arc over time? How do you keep it fresh and interesting? Because you know, I guess there's challenges as well as advantages because you've already built your characters. But there's got to be challenges to that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, as Rob said, the challenges are 
uh, with each book, you increase expectations uh, and you increase how much um, readers are, are engaged uh, with your particular characters. And one of the lovely things about it is that they uh, become quite proprietal about your characters, but that also has its issues in how you write the next book. Um, I know every time I put out a Roland book, I get a plethora of letters from people complaining that I've been too hard on him. Um, and do I really need to beat him up quite as much as I do? Uh, but that, you know, this in a sense is is lovely that they care enough about what an imaginary man uh, that they're willing to write a letter on his behalf. Um, it's it's. Um, I suppose in terms of the story arc, I do have a very slow overarching story arc um, and having a long series allows me to address a different facet um, of, of life in each book. Um, and luckily for me, there's a lot going on in the 30s. Um, so it has allowed for a long series to get longer by the day. <laughs> I love that. Now, a reminder to our viewers who are joining us for the live stream, if you have a question or a comment, any time is a good time to put that in. Don't forget, if you comment, if you ask questions, you have a chance to win one of those books that Rob has signed uh, for Sun Bookshop. So please throw in your comments anytime. Don't wait for us to ask you. Don't be polite. Just throw those questions up there and we'll just get to them straight away because we love to hear from you. So, Rob, back to you. Tell us what the challenge was writing this one. I mean, you said you had, you know, a good character, you know, character arc and you sort of planned out three books. But what were the challenges of, of the second book follow-up or do the real challenges come with the third one? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, the third one. Um, uh, look, I think this, this, in a way, it was there's certain rules which uh, book two of a trilogy need to kind of tick. So I kind of had a, a, a guide with that as well. And looking at it, um, and I'm just going to keep referring to a trilogy. I mean, if it, you know, something happened after that, fantastic. Um, so, you know, you're, you're almost in the middle of book two is the midpoint of the whole trilogy. And you have to kind of, you know, not giving any spoilers away, but you really have to put your characters through hell to um, prepare them for what they need to do in book three. So, um, so there was that, um, which, yeah, which was good. I mean, I, I had fantastic editors at Alan and Unwin, so Ali Laval, who did my structural, was, yeah, it was, uh, was really, really good. So I guess the, the challenging thing was around you know, you're setting up um, this seemingly um, not perfect crime, but, you know, there's, it's been on uh, video, there's been the explosion, we've seen, you know, the, the public, have, we've seen it, the public have seen it on the news, you know what I mean, is, was trying to work out how and, and why me as the, the writer, but also as the the reader and the Nazis, how um, to solve this crime. Thanks, Rob. Fantastic. Now, Craig, I want to ask you, crime critic, you've read so many crime novels. What <laughs> is a crime fiction novel the X factor or what makes a great crime story? 
Oh, what makes a great crime story? Jeez, well, we all have different tastes. And, and I think, like, even in my book, there's such a broad array of Australian and New Zealand crime writers. For me, it's got to be a story that just really pulls you in and makes you want to keep turning the pages to find out the story. Um, for me, it helps if the writing's really, really good and if there's wonderful setting and wonderful characters and things like that. But we all have our own personal preferences. But I think you need... You need a story that readers care about enough to carry on through the story. It's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Are you making readers care about the story, about the characters, about the place you've set it, about the interesting issues? Are you making them care enough to carry on through and giving them a great ride on the way? I love that. I love that. I love hearing from you, Craig. Now, we have someone from Abby's Bookshop who has popped in who has a question for you. Oh, my goodness. I might be a familiar face to a couple of people around here. <laughs> Good Introduce you yourself. All. I'm Felix. I'm the host of a of a competing but I won't win crime fiction podcast. Never competing, mate. Never competing. <laughs> Good friends. I wanted to ask. You know, you were mentioning there, Craig, about how crime deals with the issues of the time, and I was just thinking, you know, now that lockdown started again in Melbourne. And so many crime novels that I know and love feature stories where characters are locked away in a closed off mansion and they have to deal with something that they cannot escape from. Why has crime yeah. fiction been attracting us when it's so similar to the thing that we've all been unable to avoid <laughs> last year? What a great question. Come in, stay in with oh, I'll me. Stay in. I'll stay, stay in. Me. I'll stay in. <laughs> So I'm sorry, I just I'm not sure if I caught the entire question then. Why does that attract us? Or are you asking if crime writers should set books in lockdown? Because that's the Well, I was thinking, you know, why why have we been seeing, you know, such a such a great field of crime coming out during a pandemic when the pandemic is really a very similar situation to what a lot of crime novels feature? You know, shouldn't we be trying to escape from it all? You're saying you can write read romance? Maybe we should be. Maybe we should be. Then you don't have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there is such a wonderful range of crime novels uh, from cozies through to really gritty serial killer thrillers from contemporary to historical that we can always find something that we enjoy. Um, there are a couple of crime writers that have actually incorporated the pandemic in their books, not in a major way, but Michael Connolly's latest and some others both touched on it in terms of the characters having to deal with masks or people doing stuff, but not not setting it against it, but they just acknowledged that it was happening kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think we like to be, we like to be scared. That's why horror is so popular as well. And crime can bear to horror. We like to have our emotions charged. We like to be made to think the puzzle aspect of crime and um and like to do that in a in a way that's a little bit safe not having to experience the crime stuff ourselves so i think there's a separation between the real life of the pandemic and our fictional reading what do you think robin solari do you agree uh could you repeat that question again please <laughs> in, in a nutshell why are we reading crime fiction when our life is a dystopia I have a very particular theory about why crime fiction continues to resonate with people. And I think it is not so much because we need a return to social order or we are unnecessarily sadistic. What crime uh, fiction is essentially about is the pursuit of justice. And when you are when you read a crime story, you're taken on a journey where someone stands up and says no. And particularly in eras like uh, that which we're going through now, it's comforting to know that no matter what happens, no matter how dark and difficult things get, there is someone who's going to stand up and say no. They may not win, 
not they may not succeed they may not uh, gain justice but they will stand up and they will say no and so I suppose crime fiction is really the literature of resistance and so it particularly resonates uh, in the current era oh Solari yeah, that's like a million times better than my answer. <laughs> yeah, I can't. That's 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 my Rob, answer. Now, I'm going to that <laughs> No, I think Solari summed it up beautifully, and it's that um, I think, yeah, it's somewhere where we've got control uh, when we're reading and you know we're guessing along um, versus the unknown of what we've got at the moment. So it's comforting, even if it is very similar setting, perhaps. And I think that crime fiction, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, it has everything. You know, it has the thrilling setting, it has great characters, it has the emotional content, content. sometimes it has romance, like it has everything you could possibly want, you know, and the psychological aspect of it as well, and of course the justice. So I think that's why we're all such crime lovers. Felix doesn't know this, but we're going to do a crossover now between our Oh podcasts. my goodness, <laughs> I've just been, this is the first I've heard of this. <laughs> Joining us and I'm popping into the question, and we'll talk. I All love right. doing a crossover. Got <laughs> himself in some trouble now. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> now we have some questions coming through, and Fiona Taylor said beautifully, "said Solari." And oh my goodness, yes, absolutely. Mm. We got some questions from people that we would like to answer. Uh, Stella Glory, what are the challenges and non-challenges set in particular areas? Example: technology and also attitudes of the era. Throw to you, Rob, or Solari? I'm hand to Solari on this one. <laughs> well, um, of course, coronavirus is a is a is a problem, and I know, uh, as Craig mentioned before, people are caught between wanting to uh, set set a a book in a particular era or a time or a sense of place, and doing that too much, uh, so that as the world moves on, you'll book becomes dated uh, so there's always that sort of uh, constraint and I suppose one of the things about being a writer is you've got to work out a creative way to deal with that uh, to deal with technology in a way that it doesn't necessarily date your book because technology moves faster than uh, publishing or um, how how many books you get out I guess um, so I suppose there's there's always those challenges. I, th I think for me as a writer, the biggest challenge has always been how to make your real world uh, operate with your imaginary world. I, I would rather write than do anything else in the world. So for me, it's it's about how to actually make my my real world mechanically keep going and not fall over because I spend all my life in my pajamas writing books. <laughs> Sounds like the dream, Solari. That's a dream. <laughs> now, if I was at home uh, doing this live stream, I'd be in my pajamas too. But Craig from Abby's told me I had to wear proper clothes. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we have another guest from Abby's bookshop. I'm loving this. Who? What a takeover as host, which I'm happy. I've got a hot, un undrunk hot chocolate here. So we've got the lovely Therese here, who's going to throw a question to one of you. Hello, everyone. A special. Hey. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me, all you? Yes, yes, hello. Yes. Hello, hello. And uh, special greetings to my favourite author, Solari Gentil. She's, I think she's everyone's favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Australian crime writer. 
but um, uh, just a simple question. Um, Australia is um, both um, a very secular society and yet a society with a, uh, a lot of history of um, irrationality and cults and what have you, and a lot of actually haunted locations in Australia. Um, where do you think the supernatural belongs in Australian crime writing? Just, just as general for our authors. Good question. Thank you, Therese. Who's going to answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Larry, <laughs> I think I think the supernatural belongs in crime writing in the same way that it belongs in in our lives. So we, as a as a people, as a species, have a fascination with things that aren't always tangible and real, um, and that influences how we how we operate and how we move through the world. Uh, so necessarily, if crime fiction is going to reflect the world uh, and tell a story within the world, it will encompass the supernatural uh, in that sense. Now, in terms of uh, ghosts and demons and uh, some of the more conventional mythology that's attached uh, to, to supernatural tropes, crime fiction is a really broad church. Uh, it can... It can, and, and that's one of the things that I particularly love about this genre, that we can pull so much of what is best from other genres and incorporate it in our own. And in fact, if I'm uh, not wrong, there was a Ned Kelly winner, Ghost Lines by Nick Gadd, uh, which was a, a super a supernatural crime novel um, that came out, oh, it might have been 10 years ago now. Uh, Craig, do you, do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Nick's Nick's written some interesting books actually, and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's a few several years old now. But uh, yeah, there's some cool supernatural stuff. Um, it's interesting because traditionally people think of crime in the classic sense of Agatha Christie or Naomi Marsh as being those very kind of cognitive crosswordy puzzle which are very rational. The, the detectives are being rational to work things out. And so the supernatural feels like it should clash with that just at a base level um, because you're bringing in things that are not purely logical or rational. But they can work really well together. And there's been so many authors over the years that have shown that a crossover can work. Uh, John Connolly, the Irish author, has got a wonderful Charlie Parker series, which is supernatural running the whole way through quite deeply in, in parts. And in New Zealand and Australia, we have some uh, as well, which are really cool. You've mentioned Nick. I see Kirsten McKenzie's in the comments as well. She's got some really cool kind of supernatural crossover with crime and thrillers as well. Crosshatch author Paul Cleave has brought in some kind of slightly supernatural aspects with The Killer Harvest, one of his books, which is a wee bit YA and a wee bit supernatural along with crime thriller. Um, Andrea Judson, an Auckland author, had a psychicism, a reluctant psychic as a... Uh, as a hero where like he meets the murder victim by talking to them after they've died but then he doesn't really want to help the police and stuff so it's very interesting so i think when it's done well it can be very very good um but it is a tricky balance to find which makes it hard for the authors and takes a lot of skill so the authors that do it well yeah it's great 
Thank you. Thank you so much for your question and for popping in. I just want to pre-warn people that if you do come into store and chat with me, I'm very short, so you have to really bend down, okay? People, I'm getting your, you know, not your full faces, so I apologise. Next time I'll stand on a box. Um, <laughs> we had um, Ashley comment in between your answers saying that she really wants her crime, you know, bound in reality, which I think is, you know, is interesting. But I think, like, I think one of you said, you know, we have such a broad range of crime fiction that you, it crosses over with so many things, you know, it can cross over with horror or the supernatural or your standard, you know, police procedural. So I think that's that's what is great about crime. You can re read everything because there's so much to choose from. Now, I think we have more questions uh, from people viewing live. So we've got Just Words. Hi, Just Words. Uh, UK Sarah Pinborough is behind her eyes is a great example of the crossover of supernatural and crime. Yeah. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, no, Sarah's brilliant. Sarah's fantastic. I met her at Harrogate years ago in 2012 over here. And she's been writing uh, some really interesting stuff for a long time. She's done kind of like uh, modern retellings of folklore and fairy tales. Um, she kind of came into crime and thrillers from the more horror spec fiction aspect. So even her uh, more kind of purer crime thrillers still ha always have some element of supernatural. It's just a question of the degree. But she's a really excellent writer. They've ma they made that into a Netflix series, I believe. Um, wow. Was this year, which got a lot of uh, a lot of chatter. That, that book caused a lot of talk over here when it came out because it has a very, uh, a very interesting ending, which will get readers talking one way or the other. Um, I think she's a great writer. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Now, Ashley Solari, this is a question for you. When you wrote the first in your series, could you have imagined getting to 10? Like I know Rob had this idea of a trilogy. Did you envision 10 in your sights? Maybe more, who knows? Um, when I when I first started writing the Roland Sinclair series, which uh, began in 1932, or was the first book was set in 1932, I imagined I would write one book for each year between 32 and 45. But I have uh, just put, uh, well, I've written uh, book 10 and I've only got to 1936. Uh, wow. uh, it's, it's just that a lot happened in the 30s. Well, yeah, don't worry. Nothing happens between 39 and 45. You're okay. You can just skip. <laughs> and you can skip 2020, so... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, 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 Lisa, I do feel very privileged that I've had both publishers and readers who have indulged me in writing a really long series. Really long crime series do exist, uh, particularly in the US. Not so much in Australia, but uh, it's always a privilege to actually have uh, readers who are indulgent and patient enough to stick with you for, for that many books. Absolutely. Now, as you can hear, it's starting to heat up now in Sydney. So I don't know if you can hear there are buses behind me. There are phones ringing. Um, I think I'm the noisiest setting here, but I think it just creates that nice buzz for the bookshop. So uh, Bronte has a question for you, Rob. You mentioned a trilogy. I'm so excited. And I can see maybe a yellow cover for the next one. I don't know. Um, are you looking at moving into a different genre? Are you going to stick with this sort of crime you've got going? Sure. Um, good question. No, I'm. Uh, I for the foreseeable for the next um, few projects that uh, I've got kind of on the go. Um, crime is a definite uh, element. I like we've we've discussed today. I think the having that lens to look at 
at issues and social issues through crime fiction, which is also um, hopefully like an accessible and enjoyable read. Um, I just think, yeah, I've, I've got a few more stories, not saying never, and I, you know, as a writer, I'd want to be able to write whatever the story is that, um, you know, that wants to be told, but definitely I, I am enjoying crime fiction and the, the people and the community and the readers are fantastic. So at this stage, yeah, no, no plans to jump um, genre, uh, at least for the foreseeable next couple of books. Uh, uh, maybe after 10 books, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll talk to Solari. But yes, thanks for the question. Yeah, great question. I'm glad you're sticking with crime, Rob. <laughs> now, Danuka, hello, our friend Danuka is uh, asking a question for Craig. What's your take on being a good crime fiction reviewer and what makes a good book reviewer? Great question. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask about being a good crime fiction reviewer. <laughs> but um, but uh, no, for me, the job of a reviewer is to connect good novels with readers who might want to read them. And so I always see it as my role is to read a book and give a fair assessment of it in my eyes while being cognizant of the fact that we all have personal preferences. Um, and so you've got to think about people who might enjoy it more than you and stuff, even if it was something that you just thought was okay. And it's also our job to shine a light on really great books or books that we personally think are really great. Um, I think for to be a good reviewer when I'm writing, I try not to give too much away about the book. It frustrates me. I sometimes see reviews where they give away quite a bit of the book um, or the reviewer's 90% a synopsis and then one line at the end. So I, I try and get the balance a bit more of like just really talking about the back cover blurb and a little bit more and then trying to have at least kind of a third half or more being a little bit of discussion but if i say this is great i try and give reasons or if i say this is okay or wasn't quite for me um then i try and give reasons as well because everyone's different and and there'll be there's people who really love authors that i just find not bad but it's just like i've got 200 authors I'd read before them and but other people really really love them and so if I when I've read a book like that I try and be fair in terms of just saying this didn't quite gel for me but this bit's really cool and and not in a forced way just being genuine there's always good things about some books and, but then if I really love a book as people who followed me or seen any of my stuff in magazines and newspapers or online will tell you pretty much know if I really like one because I will go on and on about it I think I'm still talking about like Top Wasteland from last year by Sean Cosby and this one here actually this one here Winter Counts by David Hesker Wombly Whedon, which I've slid in amongst some Australian stuff. You can see some Van der Simon, Solari, Peter Temple, Chris Hammer. But this one, Winter Counts by David Hesker Wombly Whedon, is now coming out in the UK and Australia and New Zealand later this year, which is fantastic. That's a US hardcover that I especially right. got last year because Sean Cosby recommended it to me. Sean Cosby, the author of the brilliant Blacktop Wasteland. And, and um, we're talking about S.A. Cosby until he brings out his new book because um, you got me into Blacktop Wasteland and I blew my mind. I loved it. So eagerly anticipating his next one. 
Yeah, Razor Blade Tears, which is coming out in uh, a month or two um, around uh, around the world. Um, I wasn't sure how we'd be able to follow up Lake Tide Wasteland, which was my favourite novel of last year. That was probably second or third, like um, out of 100 plus. Um, and uh, Razor Blade Tears is better. I don't fucking know how. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, dear. I'm, I'm used you to need to know the real Craig now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to go sit in. I have to send in myself into the corner. Yeah, thanks for the message. It is, it is 1.30 in the morning, just to, <laughs> in my defence. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's raised by tears. But we've got so much great crime writing out there. We're so lucky. Um, yeah, I had this. I mean, I'd, I'd already read a, a version of it, but I had this one arrive in the post today, which oh, was lovely. Yeah. I, I highly recommend everyone goes and gets it. I'd already read the ebook of it, but this is fantastic. I really enjoy that. Some great books coming out. So. Rob, I've got a Thanks, question Craig. for you. When a crime critic of Craig's caliber, you know, and I think Craig's amazing, has his book in your hands, how do you feel about that? Oh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You no, feel Craig's been a huge, huge supporter. And um, yeah, no, and what he says. You know, it really um, means something uh, due to the fact of his, you know, years of experience and his taste level. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just yeah, no, it's it means the world, really does. I imagine it might be quite uh, terrifying when Craig uh, has a has your book in his hands and he's about to read it. <laughs> well, yeah, when you open the review, it's terrifying, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Gillian, thank you. Uh, thank you for your comment. We are really thinking about you in Melbourne. I have many friends in Victoria who I love dearly, so we are we are all thinking about you. We're hoping we can uh, let you have a little bit of, uh, you know, consoling conversation uh, for an hour here with us. So I hope you're doing well in Victoria. We are always thinking of you. Uh, Catherine Johnston, I love the Nancys and recommend it to everyone. Well, there you go. Oh, thank Good you. Catherine. Now, Tippy was such a heartfelt character. The balance of crime and dealing with Tippy's grief and sadness were beautifully done. Rob, did you think a lot about getting that balance right? What a great question. Yeah, yes, uh, is the short answer. Um, absolutely. And I think it's that, uh, that thing with real life, and I guess that's when I was writing the Nancys, and the same with Nancy business. Um, oh, you know, they're solving... <laughs> they're, um, they're solving a uh, a crime but life is going on around them so it's that thing you know um that we always have other things going on family dramas whatever it is uh even during a pandemic even during a lockdown the lock you know you the lockdown is just one part of your whole life so it was trying to capture that and uh also play with that light and dark and even in you know, even in your deepest grief, there are things that you know, just ridiculous things that happen. Or you know, it, it was it was trying to play with that balance and that balance for the reader. So you're trying to keep pacing, obviously, because it's a, a murder mystery, but also not lose those emotional moments as well. Yeah. And you're so right, Rob. I think in some of our most difficult times, humor is what saves us. You know, and I think that's so important. Yeah. 
Absolutely. We've got a question uh, Question from Denise Beanlin here. Thanks for tuning in. My gateway drug, oh, I like this, uh, into crime was Agatha Christie when I was 14. When students in my library ask for recommendations in the genre, I will suggest they begin with some of those, then we'll move on. Top of my list are the Aussie authors. They sometimes are late to class due to my enthusiasm. Was Agatha Christie a uh, an inspiration for you, Rob and Solari? Um. I, I certainly read Agatha Christie when I was uh, in my teens. But, you know, at the time I was reading it, I had no concept of, uh, of being a writer. I was, I was going to be an astrophysicist. Uh, so it, I'm not sure I could uh, actually think of it in terms of inspiration. Um, inspir the inspiration for, for my books actually comes from, from history and people and human beings that I know as opposed to, to other books, but I certainly did love Agatha Christie. And I think because I, you know, I entered writing late without ever having done a, a, a writing class or ever having been a part of the community, it was uh, those books that I read in my teens that imprinted uh, in my, so deeply into my psyche that I knew what I was doing when I was when I set out to write a crime novel, there seemed to be a natural uh, breath and a natural way that the story unfolded into a crime without me ever having to really try or plot to do it. Um, and I and so uh, I would say that Agatha not so much inspired but schooled me in what crime fiction was. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Craig, Rob, before we get on to the next part of our little conversation, um, Agatha Christie, influence on either of you? Can you go first, Rob? Oh, um, well, I, yeah, I guess definitely in that, and how Solari's mentioned it, in that overall, um, you know, what, what she did and, you know, the, the, the amount of books she ended up selling and her impact on popular culture, like, for sure. So, yeah, I read, I read, you know, I was a voracious reader, so, yeah, I read Agatha Christie and obviously there was films and Miss um, Marple and Perot and, you know, so definitely um, in the mix with everything else, but, yeah, just an, an incredible legacy for sure. Yeah, and I read um, not not all the Agatha Christie's, but well over half of them. I really, I really particularly like the Poirot stories, and I read all of them when I was about eleven or twelve or thirteen. And um, but Agatha Christie wasn't actually what got me into crime fiction. It was actually the Hardy Boys before that. Oh um, yes and stuff like that. I used to, when I was talking to authors, I often asked them what their first books were that they really loved. Not the first book they remember, the first one they remember falling in love with as a kid that influenced them. And I often used to think it was Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie that got me into crime fiction. And then I was having a discussion with James Lee Burke and he mentioned the Hardy Boys. I was like, oh no, of course, I was reading the Hardy Boys for years. I absolutely loved them even before that. Which obviously with Rob's book, um, you know, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, and Eden Blyden's, especially here in the UK, when I talk to British authors, I often get Secret Seven, Famous Five. When I talk to American and Canadian authors, it's quite often Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, as well as Christie and Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. Mm, fantastic. Well, we've come to that point, I think, in the conversation. I, before, I love Stella. Why I, cry? I love that. I think you've got to get the darkness on the page. Am I right, writers? And once it's on the page, yeah. you can then be free to be happy and sunny. <laughs> I love that, Pogo. That's hilarious. Well, they might have or missed us if we weren't. 
<laughs> Unless Rob is just really sunny on the outside, there's lots of dark stuff going on the inside. Oh, uh, sure. you, you, you know, you, you see it on the page. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the time we're going to do some giveaways. Rob, so generously, before lockdown, went into Sun Bookshop and did some signing, and Sun Bookshop are giving away some books of, um, you know, that you're going to get in store. But we are good at that P word, and it's not party pies, unfortunately, it's pivot. When you said P word, yeah, I thought no. we were going to have party pies today, but we'll go. I know, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some trivia, Rob. Should we do questions? Yeah. Get your fingers at the ready, people. Whack them in the comments, and then uh, we'll just choose either the first person or the random person. We might have yeah. to get our our production man to be choosing these people. Um, yeah. So trivia yeah, part one, Rob, hit us with the first question. All right. So, is everyone ready at home? Yes, good. Uh, what is the name of the town where Tippy lives? What is the name of the town where Tippy lives? Question number one. Question number one. I feel like one. I'm at the pub, right, doing the, the quiz. <laughs> oh, and Rob, where there's a pub, there's schnitzel. Uh, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> all right, question two. Go for it. Okay, what is the name of the next door neighbor's cat? Now, if everyone's kind of confused, this is Nancy's trivia. It's not my uh, <laughs> next my next door neighbor cat. I actually don't know what the name of the cat is. Um, what is the name of Tippy's next door neighbor's cat? And Rob, while we're getting our people to uh, type in their answers, uh, Jillian. Oh, Jillian. Yeah. correct? Yeah. Correct. Number one. <laughs> Where's Harry's cat, Rob? Where is your cat behaving himself he's, today? He's he's actually scratching the door. He keeps doing that thing when he, we don't have a cat cat flap. So he's currently scratching the door, <laughs> wanting to get back in. So I'll let him in in our little. Uh, <laughs> Harry, you got to wait. Uh, Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. All right. Should we do question three? Should Go we get through five? Five. Yeah, let's, let's do, do five books. So, uh. It, People who win will get a copy, signed copy of the book delivered to them um, from the glorious Sun Bookshop. Uh, question three, what profession is Duncan Nunn? What profession is Duncan Nunn? Question four, who are Tippy's next door neighbours? What is their surname? Who lives next door to Tippy? And the last question, what is the name of Riverstone's local newspaper. So Rob, if you can answer those, then we will get a book out to you. <laughs> I think uh, I think your questions might have been uh, pretty tricky there. So we'll give people uh, a chance to uh, answer them, and if not, maybe we'll go on to the next six uh, to ten, and people can jump in. Yeah, oh, the brown. The Browns. That would be the next yes. neighbour. That was question four. Done. I just oh, want to Ashley. Oh, Bunny Whiskey. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Nice words. All coming through now. I couldn't actually I remember that one. I got I got all the others, but I couldn't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> I just I found this really funny, Rob. So I'm going to throw a question out there too. It's actually question eight. But what colour does Devon hate? Yes. I love I love that. So um. If anyone out there who knows what colour does Devon hate, because Devon, I love Devon so much. <laughs> I want to be best friends with Devon. So 
that color, I can never paint my house that color because of Devon, Rob. Yeah, that's right. I, look, I'm, I'm wearing, oh, whoops. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And I, I even had, so I was like, oh, should I buy this? You know, yeah. <laughs> and thank you, Sun Bookshop, bringing Nancy business to yes, the people. Thank you, Sun Bookshop. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, let's ask a couple of questions, more questions, Rob, just in case people found those a little bit tricky. Uh, so why don't yeah. you hit us with six and seven so we can um, get some answers in. Sure. Uh, well, they might find six a bit hard. How many arches does Riverstone Bridge have? You know what I'd do uh, if I was watching? I'd just guess and just hope for yeah, the Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, why don't I make it? It's it's a number between one and ten. Now, oh, Julian says at guest Kake. Are we going to go with Kake? Um, in the family. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 he, yeah, he would definitely hate that. But um, <laughs> what about uh, question nine? Who publishes Nancy Business and the Nancys? Well, that's a good one. Yes. Benjamin says eight. Are we right? Yeah, exactly. Three. <laughs> Uh, in between that, Benjamin, a bit higher. <laughs> just keep, just keep. Yes, yes. Marianne, you're a That's winner. How you win. That's how you win. You just keep guessing. <laughs> Brilliant. The same with the colours. I love that so much. Khaki is a very despisable colour. Yeah, it is. I'm, well, let's give her khaki, um, whoever said khaki, because that's close enough to green, I reckon. Yeah. And Bronte. Alan Bronte's a winner. You're wearing Alan Alan. Now, did we get five or am I giving away more books than you have? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I didn't away. There was still a couple of questions. Uh, oh, yes, okay. What suburb of Melbourne is the Sun Bookshop in? Great question. Mm -hmm. I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think we've given away a few books there and we will contact you after this conversation. We've got about 10 minutes to go and we'll contact you via our Facebook Messenger if we can. Otherwise, we'll find you somehow. I'll track you down. We'll get your details. And um, <laughs> Craig, oh, yeah. that's a lovely segue. Would you like to talk about good readings? Cool. So everyone who's tuning in from Australia, you're really lucky you've got this wonderful magazine in Australia called Good Reading, uh, run by Brian and Walkham and a wonderful team there. I've been writing for them on and off reviews and features for since 2009, actually. It was one of the first one of the first magazines or newspapers I started writing about crime for, and they were open to me writing about Australian and New Zealand crime right from the start. Um, so today what they're doing is they're giving away four six-month subscriptions to the magazine. So uh, one person who goes in and sees Danny at Abbey's, one person who goes in and sees Solari at Collins Walker will win one. And then we'll pick, uh, Rob and I will each pick one person from uh, the comments from the live stream as well. And you'll win a six month subscription to Good Reading, which is a really wonderful magazine all about books. This is the May issue. The June one's just about to come out, um, but you can see there's some lovely features. Oh, actually there's old. There's one on uh, Plotting versus Pantsing, which I wrote with Liz Nugent and uh, Joe Spain. Here's a really lovely one on a new Australian book as well. And then there's lots and lots of reviews all through the back as well. So but, uh, hope you enjoy that, whoever wins. Uh, great. Right. 
and we'll contact you um, as well. We'll go through our comments and we'll pick uh, some people for one each. So four winners of that subscription and we will contact you. So uh, we'll choose some people that have either been in store or are online. So with nine minutes to go, Ashley, a question uh, has come in for Solari. Do you think Wilfred will ever go easy on Paul Rowley? Did I say Rowley right? Have That's, I been reading too much yes. Wimpy Kid? <laughs> Rowley's fine. I call him Rowley, but Rowley's fine. Um, I, I would ask Ashley, do you really want Wilfred to go easy on Rowley? Yeah, um, like in, in, uh, in some ways, um, I don't know, maybe. As, as you know, I don't plot, so I don't know what will happen in the future. Uh, Wilfred might suddenly become soft, but uh, I don't think so. And Pantsers Unite. Oh, Pantsing gives me anxiety. But you go, Pantsers. I have all the uh, all the uh, love for you. Fiona, I need to read that plotting versus pantsing article. Yes. Rob, you're another yeah. pantser, are you? Yes. Yeah. Um, pantser. How do you do it? Then... Well, uh, then I have to, so I think they call them plantsers because then I have to plot <laughs> because of the, the crime element. But yeah, well, I mean, it's for me, I love that exploring the story, <coughs> discovering the bits I know, and then trying to then from that working out. Yeah, but I think it probably takes longer, but I don't know. That's just the way I seem to write. So, it's an yeah. inspiration. <laughs> well, before we end, I'm going to hit you with, uh, you know, the words of nerds famous question. And Solari hasn't had one this yet. And Rob, I've tweaked yours a bit. Solari, why do you write? Um, because I can't stop. It's, it's what I do. It's who I am. Um, I think it's not too late to be an astrophysicist. Yeah, I know, but it's it's <laughs> writing's a little bit like a an addiction. Once you start, it's difficult to actually stop. Um, so in some ways, I'm not ready for my ten step program to get out of writing, um, and so I'll keep on doing it. I love it. And Rob, you've answered this question before, but why do you keep writing? Oh, um, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I think because if I don't, it stays in my head. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I yeah, I love it. And I, there's just nothing, for me, there's nothing else in the world that is like when you're in that flow of writing a story and creating something. It's, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, like Solari, I just think, I don't know if compulsion is the right word, but it's, yeah, just something that, yeah, I need to do and that I love to do. So, fantastic. Yeah. And Craig, what do you write? Why do I write? Um, I love exploring stories. I mean, a lot of what I write is non-fiction, though a lot of it's non-fiction about fiction, but then I interview. I mean, this week I have interviewed African lawyers for a legal magazine because I'm also a legal journalist. I've interviewed a nine times gold medal winning Paralympian um, for another magazine. So I love talking to people about their stories and I love reading and I love, I love finding out things and then sharing them with other people, I think is really what it comes down to for me. Beautiful answer. I love that. So we'll all come back together. Craig, do you want to come down on your knees and bend into my screen again? <laughs> and Solari, have you got your bookseller there? And thank you so much for the comments. And, you know, Stella, you're excellent. So thank you. And Lisa has said, great to see Nancy Business out in the world. So please 
you know, support our authors, particularly support our authors in Victoria who are doing it tough again. Go out and get a copy of Nancy Business. Throw a photo on uh, social media if you're reading it because that's going to make lockdown suck a lot less. So thank you. Suzanne, fabulous to listen to. Thank you. This will also be a podcast later on as well. Solari, who have you got with you? I've got Mel from Collins. Um, Hi, Mel. Thank you for letting Solari <laughs> invade your store. Yes, they've allowed me to sit right in the middle of the store and scare away their customers for the last hour. I think I've done the same. (laughs) Hello, Collins. Hello, Sun Bookshop. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you all. (laughs) okay let's bring those book covers up while we say thank you to all the people who were involved in this beautiful production i want to thank you bookshops for coming on board Um, we really want to support our bookshops because that is where we get you know the great books that we love and cherish so thank you sun bookshops in yarraville hopefully you can open your doors very very soon thank you to abby's bookshop one of my favorite bookshops in sydney thank you to collins booksellers as well alan and unwen thank you for jumping in and giving us some copies to sell a bit earlier good readings thank you as well uh thank you so much for being part of this conversation everyone who has listened and popped into the store it's heartwarming for us all that um you know you've you've spent your time which is precious and you can't get that back so thank you for spending it with us um, I'd also like to thank our wonderful panel craig always wonderful to chat to you it's probably about 2 a.m there so yeah but thank you so much. And Petronella McGovern, wonderful author, has said lovely to hear from us all as well. Thank you, Solari. It's been wonderful to speak to you for the first time on the pod. Rob, what a pleasure it was to meet you in person a few weeks ago. So that was fantastic. Yeah. I loved that. And uh, you know I love your work and have such a great respect for you as a human and as a writer. So thank you. And okay. Catherine Kovacic, hey, Catherine's here. Hey, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> the gang is here and Sabina, they're all coming through. So thank you. And, of course, a shout-out to the production person in the background, best bud, Adrian Beck. Cheers, buddy. We couldn't have done this without you. Well, we could have, but I'd probably be fine. So cheers to you. <laughs> and thank, thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe in Melbourne and take care of yourselves and get your hands on one of these books. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Congratulations, Rob. Thank you.